Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This is Colossal Soprano. Go! The premier destination for soccer talk with Emmy Award winning play-by-play man Dan Dibley. Squirt! And international soccer savant Rick Tittle. Work it, work it. Let's kick it off. Well, Rick, they said it wouldn't last, but here we are, episode four of Golazo Supremo, Golazo Supremo, Golazo! Aso, aso, aso! Aso, aso, aso! You know one of my famous Andres Kantor calls ever? Tell me. Sweden 92, Thomas Hassler stepped up for Germany for a free kick last minute. He goes, oh, Hassler, oh, Hassler, 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 no! <laughs> No, but it went on forever, and then he got the end, and he went hustler. So good, oh, so good. I know. He's sorry to hear that. But no, yeah. no, no. He's yeah. like the Mariah Carey of uh, Spanish language soccer announcers. He can hit seven octaves. He takes you one way, he brings you another. It gives you chills. It's incredible. Yes. Week four here of Golasa Supremo and match day twenty four in the Premier League. That's coming up here in about five minutes. In 12 minutes, we get story time with Uncle Ricky, as I like to say from, uh, of well, course. Well, it's, it's, it's Uncle Tony and Aunt Tittle. I don't agree with that at all. <laughs> Uncle Tony's not walking through that door with shin guards on. Plus, I think he thinks soccer sucks. He would be the worst possible guy. The worst guy yeah. ever, you yeah. know, and it's not Fireball Friday. So we will keep it uh, to you and I. So Uncle Ricky with a story mm-hmm. in about 12 minutes about his exploits in Germany, but first we have to address the elephant in the room, as my good friend, our good friend Guru says, throw the rat on the table, Tottenham Hotspur, out of not one, but two competitions. How do you feel as a Spurs fan on this this day, this fortnight? Well, it's always hard crashing out of two cups, and like you, I mean, unlike you, I should say, the League Cup is a huge deal for me. In fact, we just recently had the what would have been the 100th birthday of Bill Nick, Sir Bill Nicholson, who... Basically brought Tottenham to its first glory, the double winning side. Of course, 51-61. He won two League Cups. The League Cups, to me, are still a huge deal. And then uh, crashing out uh, of another cup. Going out of two competitions in four days is not fun. But I, it is nice that they made it to the new year. I mean, normally my, t- my team, Tottenham, is out of these cups by Christmas. Um, and, you know, a huge league win yesterday. Thank goodness Sonny is back. Uh, and we have the Champions League coming up. So... It sucks, but I realize that most teams were already long out of it. So at least we're still in one. We're still fighting on two fronts. So I'm going to I'm gonna get a glass half full, Dan. No, it's good. And the, the squad looks very solid. And I thought that my Blues, my precious Chelsea Blues, were equally of solid footing. Gonzalo Higuain comes in. The fanfare, the FA Cup performance, while he didn't score, the, the side looked good. You skip ahead to a midweek fixture and... Chelsea in a bit of a dogfight against Bournemouth, and then not uh, as I channel my LeBron, not uh, not du, not toi, but quatre. <laughs> quatre. 
what happened to Chelsea? <laughs> Good you, Lord. You know what they did? They sank. Yes, thank you. How about that? Wish I had a sounder for you. Let's but... take it to five. <laughs> um, th- this is what I love about the Premier League. There are no soft touches. You will not play the Colorado School of the Mines, Nick Saban. Uh, Bournemouth, uh, the Cherries, they've got some players on there, and they're up for it. And everybody attacks in this league. There's no catenacho. There's no lock. You don't stroke it around the park. You attack, baby, and then you get back, and then you get the ball, and you attack again. So huge win for Bournemouth because not only did they, they win, they had a butt-whipping. So in that goal differential, they're certainly helped down the road as they try to aspire toward high, higher heights. An important point. I've seen teams. I remember Swindon Town got promoted on goal differential and goal scored because if it's the same, then it goes goal scored. Champions so, yeah. League still uh, a good 10 days away, but we've got transfer window period right now. It's yeah. kind of an exciting exciting time by the time this podcast. Well, it's all, yeah, it's, it's what is it? It's almost 830 back there. Yes. Yeah, so we're dealing with about three and a half hours as we speak. So we can only talk about that which has happened to date. We mentioned Gonzalo Higuain with Chelsea. Just real quick, your thoughts on that signing. The, it's a reuniting with his former manager, a team that seems primed to have a real Number nine, who can step in and be that guy? Eden Hazard now goes to the left side. Hopefully the offense becomes more dynamic. Willian out. What do you make of Chelsea with their pluses and minuses? Well, Iguain's a fantastic player. They, he basically helped Tottenham get knocked out of the Champions League last year. Anybody who starts for Spain is obviously a fantastic player. He has nothing to prove, but he does want to prove himself in what is now the best league in the world. But you're right about the number nine role. I mean, Eden Hazard is a creator. He's a fox in the box. He's a, he's a fantastic player, but he's not a target man. He's the guy looking for the target man, really, and then cleaning up some scraps, more of a box striker. So uh, it can only be a good thing uh, for Chelsea, and you have to let it all lay out. You can't just look at the Bournemouth game and say, oh, what a waste. Disaster. <laughs> it's an instant disaster. It's like right. instant oatmeal. Just add hot water. And you've got yourself a disaster. It's like I took a friend one time to see a Raider game, and Tim Brown dropped a pass, and he's like, you got to cut that guy. Yeah, you don't (laughs) want to jump too fast. To the Heisman Trophy winner. Exactly. Uh, Other signings of note or, I guess, exportations. Manchester United sending out Marouane Fellaini and giving an extension to Anthony Martial. What do you make of Man U right now? I know they didn't win in their past fixture. A draw, but still... Undefeated with uh, Ole Gunnar Um, I think that... Uh... Thank you. <laughs> That's good. It's the classic second-syllable mumble. You know that as a veteran in this medium. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, if you're going to say something like Cal Ribbon Jr. Totally. You, you just... go heavy on the Ole Gunner, sure. and then you get the soul, and then you kind of just... <laughs> you know, it's, it's funny. Just before I answer your question, um, my engineer at my other job, who's a soccer fan, he thought that the nickname for the Man United manager was the Ole Gunner. Nice. He didn't know that was his name. It was Oleg Gunnar. <laughs> of course. The <laughs> old like an, gunner. Another time when I was back in the 90s working in TV, someone came to me and he said, Rick, can you believe that the Arsenal coach hit someone and killed them and they're still letting them play? And I said, the coach means the bus. And he's like, <laughs> oh. But I can see as an American, you know, yeah. the coach is the coach. Um, listen, I think keeping Martial is, is a great piece of business. I was He was very close to coming to Spurs before he went to Old Trafford. Um, I, I never understood why he's not featured a little bit more. I got to see him uh, in person when he came down here to play in uh, San Jose. That actually, by the way, as an aside, I created a worldwide headline, sort of, because I asked at that time Louis Van Hall uh, what he thought of Sch- Boston Schweinsteiger, which was his first game yeah. with Man United. 
even though it was exhibition. And uh, <laughs> Louis Van Hall said at the press conference, Schweinsteiger was bad. <laughs> and then I looked at every headline in Europe. Schweinsteiger was bad. Wow. I'm like, sorry, I asked. His poor, I mean, English is probably Louis Van Hall's fourth language. Probably. You would imagine Dutch, Spanish. German, French. Maybe it's his fifth then. Yeah. Because I was giving him Dutch and German mm-hmm. straight out, out, out the shoot. Mm-hmm. But yeah, obviously Spanish and French too. <laughs> so you basically gave him the international okie doke, we call that. Well, if you're if you're a soccer manager, you got to know Spanish these days. At it's almost level. it's almost like you know if you're a major league baseball manager, you really should know Spanish. Other transfers are pouring in. Some of note: uh, Burnley adding a guy who goes by the name of Peter Crouch, six foot nine, known to do the robot, mm-hmm. more of a niche maybe gate signing or someone who can really help this team. Well, when you're fighting to avoid the trap door, and then in a perfect world, maybe squeeze into the Europa League. There's nothing wrong with bringing in a guy like Crouchy, who had a lot of good years and a lot of different shirts, even wore the three lines with Proud. As I told you in an earlier podcast, I saw him play for Queens Park Rangers in the old uh, second division uh, back in the day. Oh, I guess back then, yeah, no, this was in 91, so we hadn't had a Premier League yet. So, uh, yeah, Crouchy, good for him. He, hey, is there anybody better in the box than him? Right, right. Uh, Got to be uh, du maître, as the French would say, which would put him at about 6'6", six, six, as you know. I got him at du maître, you know, as I that's tried. Not, that's not b- bad. So when you're speaking English, do you say macabre or macabre? It depends on what show I'm on and what the audience yeah. is and the mood in the room. Occasionally, you know, Joe Lowe and Dibs, I yeah. might go with a macabre. <laughs> what and, about, you know, did you see the uh, the Mona Lisa at the Louvre? Oui, oui. Okay. Part of that trip in 93 that I talked so so passionately about two mm-hmm. big trips for me to Europe 93 with my college buddies in which we went to Swansea yeah. and we went to the Le Louvre with the big pyramid and uh, saw the Mona Lisa. That's I, the new was, thing uh, by I am pay. Yes, yes. Yes. I was nonplussed quite frankly, but <laughs> you know, you, you think about I like Mo- nonplussed. First of all, Mona Lisa behind bulletproof glass. Yeah. Let's open with that. And mm-hmm. I don't know how many great works of art you peer through bulletproof glass to see, but this is certainly one of them. Secondarily, you don't really get a full view of the Mona Lisa because there's always 20 to 30 people. Everyone's crowding around. So it's not exactly the Zen experience you would think about when you go to see the Mona Lisa. Do you want, and I'm throwing it out there, you don't have to, but a lot of people give me a lot of crap about the fact there's a picture of me in Paris when I was hitchhiking through France at 19 wearing Daisy Dukes. Whoa. Whoa. Should, should we, what was the hair like, first of all, we, before I answer? The hair was... Well, my, my hair doesn't grow long mullet. It grows out like a mushroom. It grows like Gary in uh, Team America <laughs> <laughs> with the f- barfing scene in the alley and yeah. everything. Oh, yeah. You gave up on life, didn't you? It's pretty good. I'll give but you seven it, and a half it, for that. If you want, I can send that to Carl and we could attach I my do. Daisy I do. All right, we will do that. If then. we could make that the true golasso <laughs> of this golasso supremo, and uh, Rick Tittle and Dan Dibley, by the way, with you, up in mm-hmm. three minutes we get Rick's Germany story. Mm-hmm. If we could make that our signature piece, because okay. honestly, Jolo and Dibs, enough of me, four hours a week. I'm not saying, or four hours a day. I'm not saying you don't get your touches because you do, but I think the audience would crave a look at Rick Tittle throughout these mass decades in which you've lived. Yes, and Oaklandish is going to do a shirt for my butt rub. Whoa, what? Yeah, I know. It's, Did it's, I lose we're, a bet? We're, we're taking it to a Was different I level. Was asleep last week? <laughs> Good Lord. Yes. I don't know what... Uh, Gianna will do it live on Facebook. Ah, uh, yeah. And okay. she'll get it ready okay. for us. So All I'm right. off the hook, so to speak. <laughs> uh, Dan Dibley, Rick Taylor here. It is Golasso Supremo. 
Christian Pulisic goes yeah. to Chelsea, but will we see him first with the national team again or with Chelsea? Well, there's no reason for him to be playing in America right now because uh, Borussia Dortmund needs his services, and these are all friendlies. By the way, a nice little shout-out to Greg Berhalter winning his first game in charge with America. 3-0 over Panama. Mm-hmm, against Panama, and uh, there's no use crying over uh, spilled oil and everything else that went wrong. That's more than spilt milk when you don't yeah. qualify out of CONCACAF, Rick. Yeah, there's no excuse. That's like spilt cow is what that is. That There are two koi fish in a beta fish glass that's mexico and us and we still contrived a way to get not get into the world cup but that uh, i think i've moaned enough about that but anyway christian pulisic um unfortunately for me he's getting ready to score against tottenham in the uh, knockout stages of the champions league but uh when the season is over i'm sure he'll go on chelsea's preseason tour which is probably minneapolis saipan and Macau. Of course. They're always on the road, yeah. The classic three cities. Champions League, by the <laughs> way, back uh, February 12th and 13th. Tottenham uh, is hosting Dortmund on the 13th. Let me throw in a little story about three cities. Do you remember uh, Emmanuel Adebayor? Yes, striker, of course. Who, uh, Arsenal, Tottenham, wherever he went, he ended up burning a bridge. But he actually sponsored a drink called Power Horse. And I'll never forget, wow. it was actually on the side of the hoardings, and it was just for like a month, it said Power Horse by Adebayor, which sounds better than Carabao for an energy drink. Probably. But, so I looked it up, and Power Horse had three cities in which it was distri- distributed. What country? It was London, Paris, Mill Valley, California. Get out of here. Yeah. And Power I'm like, Horse. what? Yeah, it's like London, Paris, Mill Valley. Wow. Do we know which... Uh, this is why it failed. Which outlet in Mill Valley, though? <laughs> right. It, it might have been a niche like... It was probably at the Sweetwater behind the counter. Could be. Could be. Could be the Safeway right there in uh, Strawberry Village. <laughs> Shout out Safeway. And also Strawberry Village as well. Maybe at the Deuce. Could be. Play a little pool. My uh, wife's high school friend actually owns the Deuce. Is that right? Amanda Soloway. Wow. Might as well get her in the podcast. Very nice. Yeah. Yes, the 2 a.m. club right there at the foot of Mount Tamalpais, perhaps our yeah. first sponsor once we actually get this thing paid for here. Nice, uh, yeah. Up in 20 or so weeks, we actually maybe get some Skrilla Manila. <laughs> but Rick, you went to Germany and you bought tickets here. You were going to Germany for some fixtures and you weren't sure if the tickets were legit. Walk me through it. What is an American who has some European savvy, but heading Behind uh, the Iron Curtain, not really in 2006, <laughs> but just, you know, for the sake of teasing the I bit. did. I, I, you know what? I'll save my... What were the nerves like, Rick? What I'll were save, they like? I went through Checkpoint Charlie and the Berlin Wall once. I'll save that for another time. It's not really a soccer Pre-wall coming down? Yeah. Damn, yeah. you are a fossil. Oh. <laughs> and I, I love you in part because you are older than me, but yeah, go ahead. Uh-huh. Rick goes to Germany. I was with, with my Hittite clan. The counterfeit tickets? So, um, as we know, uh, ticket scams are everywhere. In fact, our own Golden State Warriors warn us every year for people to not buy them through any source, through their proper channels and the team itself, because with these new princes today, these kids, the printers? they can do the holograms and all sorts of things. So, the World Cup tickets in 2006, because we want a little story time here. That's what podcasts are for. 2006, they said, all ticketing, and I knew I was going to be in Germany, so I just wanted to go to a game, any game. And so they said all tickets will be um, handled through um, the website. And I tried for a credential, as I always do, just like I did with Russia. I was denied, and that's fine. Um, so uh, I tried. I went on the website as soon as it started, and it shut down immediately. And then it said I tried for the USA games, and at first I went for the cheap tickets. And then it said sold out, sold out, sold out. And then it crashed. And then it crashed. 
And then I was trying for Togo versus Zimbabwe. I didn't care. I was trying to get in any city, not even the ones close to me. Crash, crash, crash. Sold out, sold out, sold out. And it was so frustrating because literally, Dan, the world. Now, this is in 2006, so the server is probably not as good. The world was A lot of dial-up going on. The world was on there, and every gateway I got through, it would crash. And then everything was sold out. So on Craigslist, they were selling tickets. Now, there was this thing about security post-9-11 that your name had to match the ticket or they weren't going to let you in. Right. And I thought, that can't be true. It cannot be possibly true. But I bought a ticket. It was 300 bucks, which was, to me, money well spent, to go see the United States of America. Wait, what? Versus the Czech Republic in Gelsenkirchen, where Schalke plays at the Velton's Arena, one of my favorite places. One of the great arenas in the area, for sure. Yes. And, um, in fact, Sepp Blatter said all arenas should look like the Alf Schalke Velton's Arena in Gelsenkirchen. I remember that. Kirchen, of course, Gelsenkirchen, plural for church, the Gelsen churches. So, um, I have my ticket that I bought, and it says United States Soccer Federation on the ticket. And I go, okay, the name doesn't have to match. And I asked the guy who was like in Iowa or something, why aren't you going? And he said, we got a couple of these. I'm not going to go. I just want people who are really going to go to have them. Now, there was a computer chip embedded in every ticket. Wow. Paper thin, but a little soft, flexible computer chip. So there's no way they could be uh, forged. So I get the ticket in the mail. I fly 6,000 miles. I'm staying with my relatives in Paderborn, which is, of course, is in Nordrhein-Westfalen. Uh, Zollingen, where they make the knives, die Messe, yeah. Genau, und richtige auch. Of course. So I leave, with you every step of the way. <laughs> I leave for the stadium. I, I drive through Dortmund. I, I get there four hours early. Now, the Czechs, as we know, have a great team. They're not our rival. Mostly Czech fans were there. I'm wearing my USA jersey. And outside the arena, before they even let us in, they would look at me and they go, bye-bye, America. Today, you go bye-bye. <laughs> and I thought, as far as smack talk goes, that's first graders, but I like it. It's pretty good. Today, you go bye-bye. Right. Bye-bye, America. And they go, bye-bye, America. I'm like, yeah, whatever. I, I go, we know, I know we're going to lose. Just, just shut up. So you go. and Now, here it is. After all this hype, I got my ticket. I hope it works. I hope it works. I hope it's not fake. They had this little box, and they put each ticket in the box. And when they put it in, it would go, boop, if it read the chip. Right. So I'm in line with 400 people. Boop, 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 boop. They get to me. He puts it in. No sound. No boop. No sound. No boop. And I immediately went into my third trimester with twins. Oh, man. I was like, boop. Heavy breathing. And then he pulled it out, and he looked at it weird, and he put it in again. Boop. Oh, man. But thanks, for five seconds of horror. Second book. You get the second book. First time, no book. Second time, book. I got the book. I had abject horror. But thank you very much to the guy who didn't lie and mailed me a real ticket. That's awesome. And I didn't care about the 300. I care about 6,000 miles and being excited that not only right, am I going to right. lo- And I sang the national anthem to my country on foreign soil. And even though we lost three to nothing, oh boy, it's the most fun I've ever had in my life at a sporting event where my team got its butt kicked. How quickly did it go south in that 3-0 loss? Well, first of all, I'm not a big Bruce Arena guy. <laughs> well, but, and Claudio Arena did hit the post, but it went, Jan Kohler headed in a goal, and then uh, Tomas Rosicki, who was playing for Arsenal at the time, careful, it's he podcast, got a goal, but, then know. Tomas Rosicki, then he oh, got boy. another goal, and then it was 3 nothing. 3 nothing. And he also, Rosicki brought his shih tzu with him oh, to the wow. game. Of course. I yeah. mean, why would you have a poodle if your name was Rosicki? It makes no sense. <laughs> right.
If your name was Poodleberry, then you have a poodle. I think so, sure. And if you're Marijuana Fellaini, you have marijuana. You would, and you would assume, but mm. uh, instead, he makes the choice as we transition here back to transfer deadline day. Fellaini goes to Japan as opposed, or China, I believe. He's going to China mm-hmm. on a transfer. Players in that ilk, they normally go to either America or China, but we finally have an American going from Atlanta to Newcastle United, the Premier League. Is, is this significant for the MLS? It is significant in some ways. And the thing is, you can go to China like Musa Dembele did and get a embarrassment of riches, or you can be, you can come to MLS and get a hundred grand. I mean, it's just, it depends on what you want to do. Of course, it's more than a hundred grand, but if you want to get rich, you're going to go uh, to China. I remember when the J League started, my favorite player, Gary Lineker, went to Nagoya Grampus 8 and uh, just to, to kind of cash in on that J League, which never really took off. My favorite team in the J League, Jeff United. Wow. All the Jeffs. You know, Jeff Fisher. Jeff Agus. They all got together. <laughs> all the Jeffs. By the way, Jeff Agus, who burned his USA jersey in his driveway, never should have got capped again. And one of the worst players in the history of the United States. I'll agree with that yeah. on jersey burning. Yeah. Um, but anyway, the um, going to a Major League Soccer player going to um, the Premier League, once again, it's a bit of a one-off. It's like what Clint Dempsey did or, you know, what Landon Donovan did. It's cool, but it's not enough to sustain us as a national team. Miguel Almiron going from Atlanta United to Newcastle United, an estimated $26 million. This would be a record signing for a player from the MLS going to another league. And the fact that it's the Premier League, if he goes there and has success, does this not then buoy MLS and, and players to want to maybe play here as a springboard to go to Europe? Well, everybody wants to go to a better league. I don't care where you are. It's like a hockey player playing in Sweden. You know, he wants to be in the NHL. But, you know, look at DeAndre Yedlin, who Tottenham signed off the Quakes. And um, he ended up uh, uh, going to, uh, or the national team. He wasn't, was he with the Quakes? No. No, he's with the national team. Sorry. Yeah, he was with Seattle. Yeah, sorry. He's with Seattle. Oh, I'm, thinking of, I'm thinking of Nick Lima. Um, yeah, he, we'll get to Nick Lima here in a few minutes because quite an impressive debut for the Castro Valley native. No doubt. Um, but anyway, he signed, they signed Yedlin off the national team, and uh, he, couldn't, he couldn't make the grade at a top-five team, so he went to St. James's Park, the Magpies, the Toon Army, and now he plays for Newcastle, and that's fine for him. But as I said, um, you know, Yedlin, if you watch him play um, on, the, on the international stage, you know, he's not that great. But he's the best we have. And that's the thing about America. We just sort of play the best we have. Unlike if you look at Brazil, Germany, France, Italy, they can field a whole team of internationals on their bench. And um, we'll never get there. But I just wish we could find a way, somehow, some way, to get our kids overseas when they're young. Andros, Andros Townsend, by the way, who scored for Palace the other day against Tottenham on a penalty and he didn't celebrate. And someone said, that's a bad look. And he said, I was with Tottenham from 8 to 24. I saw Andres Townsend play for Tottenham at Buckshaw Stadium, actually. Wow. Eight years old. If we can get our eight years old, Dan, let's separate them from their families now and get them wow. overseas. There's a man with uh, grown <laughs> children right there talking. Rick Tittle and Dan Dibley. Golasso Supremo. Uh, pulling babies from the womb maybe is great is uh, Rick's thing. Maybe but, not uh, the emergency room. No. But, but eight Certainly before preschool. Yes. God forbid that this child know another caregiver. I, I remember, uh, I wish I could remember her name, but she ran a uh, inner city basketball program in Chicago. She's an African-American lady. And someone said, 
what if the African-American community took to soccer like they did to basketball? And she said, we'd win every World Cup ever again. Right, <laughs> right. And you're starting to see an influx of uh, superior athletes on this U.S. men's national team. You saw the debut of Jordi Mihaljevic. I'm, I'm sure I mispronounced that. Well, but. some of these young guys, I don't know who they are either. Either, uh, but That's right? what I like about Burhalt. Well, remember, I took a year off from the national team through my disgust. But I'm back on board I think now. we all did, Rick. Yeah. And that's why when you see the side that beat Panama 3 nothing, you look around and you say, who? Nick Lima is a name we know from local soccer circles. Obviously, the Earthquakes as well. Does he have the stuff, what it takes to play at this level when it really counts come CONCACAF time? Well, the thing I love about him is he is your... He, if he was playing in England, he'd be a wing back. He would go bombing down the, the wings, and he would put in crosses. And he's fast enough to go box to box. To me, he's like a Stephen Carr from Ireland, if you remember the reference. Just a, a little guy, even though I didn't like him, a Graham Lasso type of player. Not that big. The best ever little wingback would have been a Roberto Carlos with Brazil. Um, I'm throwing out some big names for him, but I just love But for f- Americans, maybe mm-hmm. DeMarcus Beasley would be a guy of modern vintage. DeMarcus Beasley, unfortunately for me, for us, I think, was played out of position in the back. This guy's a midfielder, and then they asked him to... to uh, play left back uh, <laughs> or right back. It's just it's It just makes my blood boil yet again. I love DeMarcus Beasley, though. I really do. He's a great guy, and I remember when um, Landon Donovan made fun of him one time, he said, tell Larry, and yeah, I said Larry. <laughs> nice. He goes, tell Larry he should be more worried about his hair falling out in his 20s. Wow. He might have got that one right. He did. That was a good comeback. Strong comeback. <laughs> Anytime <laughs> you can go to someone's hair. <laughs> and call him tough. Larry and goes, oh, yeah, and I did say Larry. Yeah, that's, that's a little <laughs> bit brutal. Uh, Best pass he ever made, though, France um, in uh, 20, what am I thinking about? France 2006. No, no, I'm sorry. Germany 2006. I was in France when I watched it. That's why I'm mistaken. Against Ghana, he put in the cross. It bounced once, and Clint Dempsey on the half volley, as the British announcers said, a rasping finish. Nice, nice. I'm trying to remember who that was, if it was... uh... Well, it wasn't Ian Dark, because Ian Dark's too busy not looking at the game. Yes. Mm -hmm. No? You're not a big Ian Dark guy? Not really. I think he's more hype. No, like he'll he'll be the guy who if it's if it's one nil in the sixty fifth minute, well it's all over now, and then the other team tries to score. Wait, is the other team interested? No, they're gonna <laughs> go ahead and give up. I'm gonna have to watch that more closely. I'm a big Ian Dark guy. The smooth tone, the dry humor. I'm surprised to hear that from you. Well, I'm just not a big fan of his. But of you know Dark. what? We all, I, you know, I'm the guy that hates Dick Amberg because he rooted wow. for the Chargers openly. The most unprofessional broadcaster in the history of football. Now you're starting to piss yeah. me off, Tittle. I advise you, you, you can't watch root, your mouth. You can't root for one team if you're doing a national game. If you're doing the Chargers, then root for the Chargers. Uh, yeah, I think that some people would have an uh, issue with Joe Buck here locally <laughs> about rooting for one team <laughs> over another. We'll put but that we aside. digress. Yes, we do. Rick Tittle and Dan Dibley. I want your story time. A little story time maybe from La Belle France. Well, you know, for me... Story time abroad as it pertains to football is fairly limited because mm-hmm. when I was there in 93, 95, I was not yet even a soccer fan. Still kind of in that neophyte stage. And those are odd years, so there's no cups going on. Yes, I'll throw you one, though, and I'm sure you'll be able to fill in the color of the details because you are a savant of international soccer knowledge. 1998, I'm fortunate enough to wed my wife, the lovely Chanda, and we go on a honeymoon to Greece. Part of the honeymoon was a stop in Athens, and then we went to various islands, Santorini, we went to Naxos, uh, a couple other islands. Naxos cheese? 
No, Naxos with an X. Oh, okay. No, not a C-H. Okay. But I like your style there. And I've, if you had Naxos cheese in Greece, it'd be with feta. Yes. I don't know if that would be very good. <laughs> Melted feta, exactly. It doesn't really work with the tortilla chip. Did you have a little uh, ouzo? I always say that's the only drink that's the sound you make after you have a swig. You go, ooh. Oh, no, dude, no doubt. Not only did I have ouzo, but famously in Santorini, like our second night there, we we were like going to a hotel and then we went to a bar. And on the way into the bar, the bouncer was offering up free shots wow. on the way in. And it was like a light blue, super sugary, who knows what's in there. And my wife says, oh, no, thanks. And I'm like, cool, I'll take both. Bop, bop. So your boy takes them both. And some two hours later, it is trouble. It's trouble in the Greek aisles for your boy, Double D's. Wow. Were you Next. in, was it in the commode or was it? Uh... Yeah, yeah. It was a little bit of worship. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. In about the 63rd minute, I had to be carted off. Uh, the freezy spray did no uh, good. St. John's Ambulance. Next thing you know, uh, Honeymoon takes a little bit of a different turn. I missed a day. I was on the the, uh, the injured list. I took a knock, as they would say. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, Uzo. I've got a, a little, can I throw a little one there? I'm kind of with you there. Uh, when I was 18, oh, I, I went to Rome with my girlfriend. When in Rome. And yeah, and I didn't, <laughs> I never, I've never really liked wine, even though I love the wine country and grapes and vineyards. We've talked about this, I think. Yeah. Um, but um, I decided, uh, this guy goes, you got to have a bottle of Dago Red, which would be totally racist <laughs> right, now. Right, right. So I was in Borghese Park. Was I about, think we dumped that, but go ahead. <laughs> it was about 100 <laughs> degrees. And I just held my nose and I drank an entire bottle of red wine thinking, hey, I'm 18. It's time I grow wow. up. What an idiot, right? Yeah. The next day I'm in Pompeii oh. and I threw up in what used to be someone's lovely foyer or living room. Oh. Yeah. So I threw up on the volcanic ash no. just to make it a parfait of hate. Oh, just a strawberry yes. orange hue of chowder and emotion right. so someday when people listen to our travel podcast we'll say you know it started off as a soccer one seriously <laughs> i will add this and this is how we bring it all the way back home Segway it. here on galasas in greece we were watching the 08 world cup and so we would go out to lunch or dinner whatever the meal was and the games would be on in the outdoor patio and you're watching with the greek mm -hmm. people 98 you say uh, this would be 98. Yeah. Did I say 08? Yeah. 98 okay. is when it was. I apologize. That's all right. And so that was really... Never correct me. When my wife... <laughs> no, you correct me every eight minutes. That's when my wife really fell in love with the game, and that's when my love of it kind of got cemented, because you see the European people yeah. in Greece, and I don't think Greece was in it that year. I'll have to look it up. A, a real podcaster would have prepared for this, but no, this no. is off If the you cup. prepare for a podcast, then it's like a show. Thank you. I yeah. appreciate we, we that. We prepare... What time do you get in? An hour and a half before your show? Yeah, right in there. Yeah, me too. We 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 get prepared for that. Yeah, for this, this I walked in in a hoodie, <laughs> and I press play. There you or go. Actually, record to be probably more yeah. accurate. Okay. But the '98 World Cup, watching it in Greece, we were there for a week. Every night, you know, there's three matches a day, and so you kind of catch it throughout, and it became something that that really made me be enamored of the beautiful game. There's so nothing there like what there's not. That's a great story. There's nothing like watching it over there. And I remember it was actually in 06. It was supposed to go to South Africa. It was done. And there was some skullduggery behind the scenes and some envelopes underneath hotel room doors and the president of CONCACAF abstaining. And next thing you knew, it was in Germany. So if people remember the 2012 World Cup or the 2010 World Cup, I should say, was in South Africa without a vote. 
They just said, you got screwed, you get it. It has to go to Africa. But I was thrilled because that meant, hey, I get to go to the World Cup. And so there, I was in a little town called Lauchringen in Baden-Württemberg. It's right on the Swiss border near the Bodensee, which we would call Lake Constance. And this little town, and uh, my relatives basically ran the town with Schuhhaus Mutter, is this big shoe house. Wow. So they set up this huge screen in the town square. And I'm drinking beer watching Germany beat Poland 1-0 and Oliver Neuvelle a goal. But I'm eating this hamburger, and it doesn't look like hamburger meat. So I asked my relative, uh, Monet, I said, what kind of meat is this? And she said, Ramburger. And I went, what? She said, Ramburger. Ramburger. It's Ramburger or, or Ram. I go, am I eating Ram? Spam? And she said, Ramburger. VM, which is World Cup, Weltpokal Meisterschaft. So it was a World Cup burger, and it was cow, oh, cow gotcha. meat. But I thought I was thrilled slash horrified that I was eating a Ram burger. Sure. Sure, Ram Burger. <laughs> Maybe Vince Ferragamo. <laughs> Dieter Brock. <laughs> totally. Since I was in How Germany. How far back do we want to go? Is it Eric Dickerson? It's very good. This Ram Rush for 2,000 yards. Merlin Olsen with pepper shirt. <laughs> what has happened to this one right. proud podcast? Mm-hmm. Just a couple minutes left. I do want to get your quick thumbnail thoughts on, now that we're talking World Cup, mm-hmm. Qatar, in what would that be? Twenty two. Mm-hmm. I mean, is this going to happen? How do we make it not happen? Is this the biggest atrocity in the history of international sports? Yes, it is. It's a country with one city. Uh, when you're supposed to have many host cities, it's a country that says that they're going to build temporary stadia because they don't have any. And then they're going to break them down and give them to third world countries. It's a country that will have to play the games um, in the middle of winter. Um, because it's too hot in the summer, which means it'll cut into the season like the Olympics would do, used to do with the NHL. It will also, they're going to have artificial clouds. And I thought, what does that mean? Is that where I store my iPhone pictures? No, no. Artificial clouds, they're going to fly these platforms like drones wow. to hover over the stadium. This is the biggest money grab. It should have gone to the United States. It's too bad that we had to go in with Mexico and Canada on a tri-bid. I mean, we don't need, we don't need them. But my point is, it should have gone to America. Remember, the World Cup was supposed to be in Colombia in 1986. Colombia was the host country. And then they looked at Escobar. They looked at tanks downtown trying to take over the government. They go, maybe not Colombia. We'll give it to Mexico. And they're like, Mexico just had it in 1970. Right. And then Mexico had a horrible earthquake right before the World Cup. And both times, America's like, we'll take it. We'll take it. And they're like, America, you got to be kidding me. You don't have stadiums. You don't have fans. I know. I remember when they came here, I was actually with a group when FIFA came here to look at Sanford Stadium. And the first question was, how do you keep the people off the field? We're like, what? Where's the razor wire? Where's the, right, where's right. the waterless moat? They're out in the eucalyptus having uh, <laughs> post-game cocktails. And I'm like, I don't... Uh, we don't run on the field unless you're Morgana the Kissing Bandit. Oh, my God. I mean, that's about it. You're opening up a Pandora's box that we will address next time, Rick, okay. because we, unfortunately, have reached injury time. I had a lot of fun this week. Always so fun with sure. you, my brother. Absolutely. Golasso Supremo, episode four. Next week, we will get into a little bit of pre-Champions League look ahead. We will see if the patient, a.k.a. Tottenham, is still alive. I got, I'll got. i give my story about a ticket tout, or as we would call it, a scalper. Ooh, that's great, because I'm a former scalper. Maybe I'll tell my story about how I got uh, popped for selling Depeche Mode at Dodger <laughs> Stadium in 88. That's all for now. You don't even need to say in 88. Golasso, golasso, golasso. <laughs> also, also, also. 
We'll see you next week, everybody. This was a production of the 95.7 The Game Podcast Network. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.